Let's get ready for the sermon. I've got a whole lot of different things I want to share today. Uh, think about, think about uh, church. Think about how many people come to church. How many people want to gather, whether it be Sunday school or Bible study, church service. And think about young people. I've talked about that recently, about how young people, it's hard to get them uh, interested in going to church. And why do you think that is? Just think about it. Think about why, why would you think that young people would be really, really bored coming to church? What do they carry, carry around with them every single day, everywhere they go? Right. So we got these electronic devices that you can get on and you can watch a video and listen to something. And their, their minds, so think about video games and TV and all the things you can watch on your phone, computers, all these things that we've had for many, many years now, but they keep getting better and better and better and worse and worse. You know, the, you can use those things for really good, but then there's some really bad that always comes in with it. Whether it be TV or a video game, you can have a very innocent video game, but what comes around you get some really bad video games that show up. Um, with the cell phone, what you used to have to do a little work and effort to get some bad stuff, you can get it at a push of a button on your phone. You can bring in all kinds of filthiness right into the computer screen. And there it is. So we have a whole lot of young people who are going to be bored with this traditional setup that we have going on right here. They're going to be very bored with it. And there are plenty of young people who will get on their phones and they will listen to good Bible teaching because you can get it from so many different places. So there, there's uh, some very popular uh, YouTubers who do excellent Bible studies that really uh, catch the uh, audience of the young people. And they're out there, and they're competing with just traditional church, and they're winning. So you have uh, a person who is in California who has 479,000 followers on YouTube, and it's, you, can, you can watch it whenever you want. It's convenient for you to get on your phone and to go and, 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 and watch. And they got all these fancy things that pop up on the screen that make it exciting and visual. Okay? But there's a whole lot of bad stuff on there too. And a whole lot of people who claim to be Christian preachers of the word that are not that are leading people the wrong way. There's a lot more things out there that are bad than there is good. Then there are plenty of people that are famous that are mostly good, 
but might have a little bit of bad in there that you might not pick up on. And it, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. That's why I have been very much trying to get each individual person to get into the Word of God for themselves. Because you can easily be led astray or just get to a point where you're so confused that you just want to give up. Because this person, this famous person saying this, that famous person is bashing this famous person because they don't agree exactly, and then that person might jump back on him, and then that person who got bashed, he's complaining about being, being talked bad about, but yet he was just talking bad about this one over here the other day. Well, how does it feel to be talked bad about? You were doing it to this person. So when you get on your phone and you're on YouTube, you see all that stuff, and you start to get discouraged because you, you'll, you'll say, Christians can't even get along. People who call themselves Christians, they can't even get along. And why is there so much confusion? Who's the author of confusion? The devil. He loves confusion. He wants to get you to where you're asking questions. You're, you're doubting things and you're going to get discouraged, and he's loving it. Okay? So, uh, let's see here. We were in Colossians last week, and the first chapter of Colossians, really strong in showing Jesus Christ as the head of the church, showing that Jesus is... God in the flesh, which means it's showing his deity. Then we went over to John 1, and we in John 1, very strong showing the deity of Jesus Christ. Very strong. I told you all about Hebrews chapter 1. I thought for sure today, right now, we would be in chapter 1 of Hebrews, and I would be carrying on with that whole thing. Uh, I told you guys you could read it on your own, and uh, hopefully you did. But if not, it's still there. You can read it whenever you can. The deity of Jesus Christ has been attacked over and over and over again. Y'all know that I did Bible study at the jail for 11 years, once a week for 11 years. One, I think the one thing that I fought against more than any other topic was the deity of Jesus Christ in many different ways, in different forms, but mainly the Trinity. Talking about how uh, they just didn't believe in the Trinity. There was people who, so the guys would come into the Bible study and we would talk about uh, Bible stuff, and they'd go back to their pods, and then they would be listening to guys who were in there that were, taught, were just tearing down everything that I taught them. And it was mainly attacking Jesus Christ as being God in the flesh, being equal with God. So I'm going to share 
and I don't, I mean, I've, I've done little bits and pieces, and, and I have shared uh, some things about different versions of the Bible and how they tend to mess some things up, and, I, and that could cause division. That might cause some confusion. So if you had, if I, if I picked up, and, and I got an example of it in this little book I'm going to read out of, uh, this, this guy who wrote this book right here, he goes to conferences and he takes eight different versions of the Bible with him. And while he's at the conference, he gets people to come up. He, he picks people out of the audience and they come up and he gives each one of them a different version of the Bible. And they all read Psalm 23 together. And it, you can't make it out. It's a, one of the most popular things in the Bible, Psalm 23, and he has each one of them all start at the same time, and they start reading, and it's total chaos. And then they all get the King James Bible, and they all read in unison, and it's perfectly clear, and it's beautiful. He, he, he does that as an illustration. And he is very much trying to protect the King James Bible. That's his whole point of it. Y'all know I love the King James, and I defend it. And there are a lot of people who, in, the, in I'd say 20 years ago, even, even 30 years ago, the, the New International Version was the, the version. It, it was popular. It was selling like crazy. And I shared a while back, a certain verse out of the NIV that's sitting in our pews, even though I don't care for the NIV, I've never said, take it out of here. Right? I want it here because I want people to see it. I want you to pick it up and go to certain places in the Bible, and I want you to see what it says compared to the King James. Now, there was a verse that I shared with you that was in our Bible, the ones that's sitting in here from 84, and, it's, and it said that, uh, talking about the kingdom of heaven and that the violent take it by force. Well, if you have a newer NIV, it doesn't say that anymore. They fixed it because it was a mess up. But they tried to fix the Word of God back then, and then when someone explained to them that they had really messed it up, then they revised the NIV. So you'll see, if you go and look at an NIV Bible, a, a new one, a brand new one, it'll, you'll go to the front and it'll show all the different dates of the revisions. And it's several of them. Well, now the NIV has kind of faded and people are more into the the, I think it's the Holman Christian Standard Bible. They like, like, like that one. But the one that has really become popular lately is the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. And it's the go-to Bible for many people who are very strong in the faith. Now, I want to I share with you, I'm going to give you a, a list of verses. You can write them down if you want. I will probably be writing this down on paper to where I actually have it, where I can copy it and give it to people. 
but I want you to know that there are several verses in the ESV that are completely missing out of the Bible. Okay? And I'm going to give you the list. And these are all out of the four Gospels, Acts, and Romans is where they're missing. Now, you already know, there's one that's not listed here that, that he's already talked about in this little article here, which I'll, I'll make mention of that here in a minute. Okay, you might want to write these down. Uh, completely, the whole verse is gone. So basic, basically, and this is not just the ESV, it's also the NIV I was talking about, and the New Living Translation. All three of those, along with many, many others, and not all of these verses are going to be missing out of all of them, but it will be missing out of those three. Because I'm focusing on the ESV right now. Matthew 17, 21, Matthew 18, 11, Matthew 23, 14. Those three verses are completely missing out of the Bible as far as I'm concerned because either, well, let me finish the list and I'll go back to that. All right, in the Gospel of Mark, 7, 16, 9, 44, and 9.46. Now, 9.44 and 9.46, it's the same verse said over again. Exactly the same thing. Uh, Mark 11.26 and Mark 15.28. Then in Luke 17.36, 23.17, and then in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 4, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 34, 24, 7, and 28, 29. And then in Romans, verse 16, 24, completely gone out of the ESV. So you can go. I, I looked them up this morning, early this morning. I, I just wanted to double check and make sure and I don't know if I went through the Acts, but I went through all of the Gospel ones. And they are all missing. Now, there's the, uh, the other verse in Acts that I told you I was going to tell you about is one that you've heard me talk about many, many times. And that's uh, 8.37, talking about the eunuch and Philip. And the eunuch listens to the preaching of the Gospel by Philip, and they... They happened to come up on a body of water, and he said, he asked, well, there's body, what hindered me to be baptized? And the very next verse, 37, is, is Philip saying, well, you can be baptized if you believe, you know, if you really believe this gospel that I just preached to you. And the, and the eunuch confessed with his mouth that he believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And so it was a profession of faith. So that verse is completely gone out of the ESV, the NIV, the, uh, almost every modern version, it's gone. It's, and it's an extremely important verse because you have certain denominations that believe in baptismal regeneration, 
which basically means that until you get dunked in the water by the preacher, you're not really saved. Now that becomes a work salvation, and that's not, that can't happen. That is very much a danger that you need to be very careful of. We do get baptized in water, but it's because we are saved, and then we do that. But if you, if you are truly doing the baptism to get saved, then you've missed it. You've got to be really careful how you, how you work that out. All right, now, here's another verse. It's the, all right, 1 John 5, 7. 1 John 5, 7. Remember, I told you that when I, when I was up there doing those Bible studies for all those years, the Trinity was under attack all the time. And that is the best verse in the Bible to talk about the Trinity. All right, well, I can't say that verse 7 is missing because there is a 7 there in these modern versions. But the problem is they take out what verse 7 is in the King James, and, and they either, depending on which version you're dealing with, they'll take uh, half of verse 6 and make a 7 out of it. Or, if they don't do that, they take half of verse 8 and pull it back to 7 to make a verse 7. So if you say there's no verse 7, they go, oh yeah, there is. Well, what they took out was the Word, capital W. Remember last week, reading John 1? The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then down, at, down I think around 40, he said, and the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. So in 1 John 5, 7, it says the Word, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. It says those things. It it's really the only place where you can see it all together, word for word, just that simple. There's other places where you see the Trinity. I can even show you the Trinity in uh, John 1. I can, I can show you. But it doesn't come right out and say the Word, the Father, and the Holy Ghost, like 1 John 5, 7 does. So they, they destroy it. All the new versions destroy it. And, all right, now, the deity of Jesus. Oh, all right, I just gave you a list of verses that are completely missing. What about all the verses that are half missing? What about all the verses where they take one word and put a totally different word in? That doesn't mean the same thing. The list is very, very long. I shared with you guys a long time ago, Luke, I'm going to read, oh, I got a marker there and I'm looking for it. I got a marker right there. I forgot I put markers in here. Okay, in Luke, you may want to write this down, you want to check it out for yourself, in Luke chapter 9, verses 54 through 56, this is the story where James and John were mad because they were going through... Uh, they, they, were, they weren't welcome in Samaria. They weren't welcome there. And uh, verse 54 says, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? And then they say, even as Elias, or even as Elijah did, which that right there is not in the new versions, the, the comment about Elijah. And now this part is in the new versions. Listen, 
but he turned and rebuked them. And then it stops. What's missing is, and said, this is, he turned and rebuked them and said, this is words in red in your Bible. Jesus said this, and it's taken out. He said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. All that's gone out of all new versions. Gone. That's a, that's a pretty significant thing. And then he put, they, they have a little bit of verse 56 left, and it says, and they w- went to another village. So basically all you get out of 55 and 56 is, uh, but he turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village, leaving out that basically he told them, look, your, your thoughts are from the devil, and I'm not here to destroy men, but I'm here to save their souls. I'm here to save them, not destroy them. All that is just gone. Now, that's just one example of the many, many verses throughout the Bible that have been partially taken away. The ones that are completely ta- are taken away, uh, y'all, y'all, a lot of y'all know Pastor Jay. He was here for the ordination service a while back. I've talked about him many times. He did a lot of training with me leading up to the ordination. And I can remember in the church that he pastored that we went to years ago, he owned, it was a Wednesday night teaching, and we had uh, you know, people out there, and he would always assign verses for people and to read. And he would get to that part, and he would say, all right, you read yours, and then you read. Well, there's this one girl there, a young lady, and... She had picked up an NIV, and she turned to the verse he gave her. And she's over there flipping, and, she, and it got to her turn to read, and, she's, and she, she's going, I can't find the verse 50, whatever, or whatever the verse was. And, she, and, and, and I realized what was going on, and I'm like, oh, and I, and I handed her my Bible so she could read it because it was in my King James, but it wasn't in the one she had. And, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's bad you know, for that to happen in a church service like that. But it really taught me something. That was years and years ago. So, uh, all right, now getting back to uh, the deity. All the places in newer versions where they take out worshiped him. You'll, you'll see in Matthew 9, 18, uh, while, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Well, in the, like the New American Standard, it says uh, that, that same, it, everything's the same, and where it says, and worship him, they change it to, and bow down. Now, you can bow down to an earthly king out of respect. You know that the, the Jehovah Witnesses Bible, the New World Translation, I think it's called, every place where Jesus is bowed to, or not bowed to, but worshipped, they change it to bow to every single time. Well, in our Bibles that are sitting in our churches, that people that I know are ministers of the Word that use the ESV and the New American Standard and think that they're more accurate, the same thing is done several places. 
in their Bibles, and they act like they don't know it. Because you, you'll read it, you'll read that, he, they, and they bow down, and you'll read it, and you, it won't even, you won't even make notice of it because it's, it's uh, similar. But bowing down and worshiping are way different. Now, you will bow down when you're worshiping, but just to bow down doesn't mean you're worshiping. See the difference? It's, Satan is so clever. He is so clever. And he'll get you, and, and he'll, he'll destroy the deity of Christ. Uh, Matthew 20, 20, same thing. Mark 5, 6, uh, they, he ran and worshiped him. Uh, in the NIV, it says, fell on his knees. Instead of saying he worshiped, he just ran up and fell on his knees. So they took worship out. Luke 24, 52, uh, worshiped him. It's just not in uh, certain, and I'm not saying this is, this is what it's like in the ESV. I'm just saying that in, in certain new translations that it's going to be missing, and you've got to watch for it. So I tell people, please read and study your King James Bible. If you want a new version to kind of be there to help when you get to a word that you don't understand, it's an archaic word, that you might be able to see it in, in a newer version, and, and, and I can't promise you it's going to be correct, but at least in almost all cases, it's going to give you a modern word that will help you understand it. But because of all the things that are missing out of these new versions, I don't think it's good to just study those. I mean, I've got an ESV sitting right here. I've had it for years, and I bought it because I needed to compare. I needed to find out if all this stuff was right as far as what's missing and what's not. And so the deity of Christ in, I'm trying to remember which book. So you know about one, uh, 1 John 5, 7. Here's a good one. 1 Timothy 3, 16. 1 Timothy 3, 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now that, it says God was manifest in the flesh. Now we all believe that, right? Now, in the ESV, it changes God to He, it's capital H, He, which means deity, but it says He instead of God. And you think, well, that's not a big deal. But in the King James Version, it says God was manifest in the flesh. So He, you could read that as Jesus was manifest in the flesh. Well, Jesus was the manifestation. It was God who is manifest in the flesh. You'll breathe right through that, and it won't even catch your eye, most likely, right? It's just a little subtle thing that gets changed that takes the deity away from Jesus. In Acts 20, verse 28, now this is just from memory, so you've got to check me on this one. 
but I'm pretty sure it's Acts 20, 28, where it said, God shed his blood, something like that. God shed his blood. It's like, whoa, I thought it was Jesus who was on that cross. Well, many new versions have said the Lord shed his blood. They can't handle the God shedding his blood. And even, even the end of it said that uh, his own shed his blood. Depending on how either the God part is, is changed or the last part of the verse is changed to where it does, if it says God, it says, and his own shed his blood of his own, something like that. So it takes it away from God and puts it on Jesus. That's all true, but it, the fact that they're trying to separate the two, they're trying to get God and Jesus away from each other. So that's just, that's something that came up in studying. Colossians chapter 1, and how important it is to know the deity of Christ. Extremely important. And how there are so many new versions of the Bible that go right along with diminishing those things, and there are people who don't know about it. There's people on, on the YouTube channels that can tell you a, an amazing thing. They, they are speaking truth, but they're using a different translation or different version that eventually they're going to have to say something wrong because it's not even in their Bibles or it's been changed. I mean, I've, I've got enough to go on for hours. So I don't want to do that for a whole service, but if you're interested in reading looking through either one of these books, um, you're free to do so. This, this one here is called Which Version is the Bible? And it's by Floyd Nolan Jones. You can, you can take this one. I got another one at home. You want it? So this, this book right here, it, uh, it explains the Easter controversy. You know that the... You, all right. The King James Bible is the only Bible that says Lucifer. I can't say that. The New King James might. The Geneva Bible might. But any new version, any new, other than maybe the New King James, and I don't even know if it's got it right, but almost every new version of the Bible, it won't say Lucifer in Isaiah 14, I believe it is. You know, you, you already know, I, I said it not that long ago, uh, that the King James says Calvary one time. And all the songs that we have that say Calvary, but in all new versions, it says the skull. So can you imagine changing uh, Calvary Chapel? It's Skull Chapel now. Calvary Baptist Church. Skull Baptist Church. You go to that? Oh, yeah, it's a nice church. And think about all the hymns we have that have, have Calvary in it. Well, the King James, I think it's 23, Luke 23, 33, Calvary. Only place, but all the new versions, it says the skull. We have no Calvary in any new version. And then, Easter. All right, Easter is, was a pagan holiday. It was a pagan holiday. The King James Bible is the only one that mentions it. 
Now, I'll give this to you here in a minute. That is considered a problem with the King James Bible, that word Easter. Why? Because it's the Greek word Pascha. That word Pascha, the Greek word, is in the New Testament 29 times. 28 of those times, it's translated Passover. Now, if the King James Bible translators, they say, well, it was a slip-up. They missed it. They translated it 28 times Passover. This one spot, they translated it Easter. And that's uh, Acts uh, 12.4. Yeah, Acts 12.4. So if you're telling me that they missed that, when they got it Passover every other time, they either intentionally did something wrong or they had very good reason to, to translate it differently, right? It's one or the other. And if you go back and read it very carefully, it's, it's the story where uh, James has been put to death and then Peter was supposed to be next and Herod, the Herod Agrippa, which was the, the bad Herod, the big bad Herod back when Jesus was born, his son, he wanted to put Peter to death as well, and it says that he would wait till after Easter in the King James, but after Passover in all other versions of the Bible. But it said, then were the days of unleavened bread, which is the days after Passover. So the King James Bible translators had a problem. They're like, we want to translate this Passover, but it's obviously not Passover that he's waiting for. So Passover is always the 14th of the month of Nisan, which is our April. So at the beginning of the year, because the Jewish year started in spring, and that makes much more sense. We start our year in January. How depressing. But they had a, their, new, their calendar started in the spring when everything was coming to life. Start of a new year. Springtime. We're coming out of the dead season of winter. And Passover was on the 14th. Well, there was another pagan holiday that the whole world celebrated back then, and it was, it was spelled I-S-T-H-A-R, and it was pronounced Easter. It was a pagan holiday. It was to celebrate the, the fertility gods, which that's why we have bunny rabbits for Easter, and we have colored eggs, fertility. And you can imagine what kind of filthy things went on in the pagan churches that would excite the fertility gods. So you'd have more animals being born, you'd have more crops in the field, and how easy it would be to convince uh, men to participate in that kind of religious service. You'd have a full house because it was sinful, and it was called Easter. Now, Herod Agrippa, he would have been very much into Easter, but would not have cared one bit about Passover. So he decided that he would wait till after Easter to kill Peter. The King James Bible got it right. All the other ones have got it wrong. So it goes into, this book goes into all of those details. It might bore you, some of the things that are in there, but it will open your eyes to a lot of things, so have fun reading that. <clears throat> now, oh, 
I want you, I was wanting to go through Colossians and kind of break it down, but we're already a little past 12, so uh, just notice in verse, verses 4 and 5 of Colossians. Uh, and, and what got me, I mentioned last week, because we read all of Colossians 1, I think. I can't remember if we run the, read the whole chapter. I know we read a lot of Colossians 1, and then we read all of, or, or down to a certain verse in, in John 1. And when I got to 14, I said, uh, in whom we have redemption, this is Colossians 1, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I told you to uh, look at the modern versions and through the blood, through His blood won't be in the modern versions. It's gone. And how important it is that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So that kind of got my head thinking about all the other places in the Bible where things are missing or, or completely missing or partly missing. And I was going back through verse by verse of Colossians 1, and I was breaking things down. I made notes. I did all that, and I don't even have time to do it. So I want to really focus on just a couple verses, and I want you to see it and at least leave out of here with something good other than all this negative stuff I've talked So verses 4 and 5, uh, Paul is talking. He hasn't even met the Colossians. He has never even been there, but Epaphras has been there and set this church up. And Epaphras was saved probably when, when he was in Ephesus with Paul, and then he was sent to start this church in Colossians. And so uh, Paul says in verse 3, We give thanks to God and, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So you, you have to have confidence that you have the word of God and it's true. And I hope that you have confidence in the King James Bible, in what you're reading. Notice, faith, what do you have faith in? Faith in Christ Jesus, love, which you have for all the saints, and then the hope of heaven. Does that sound familiar to you? Faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope. It, people got it hanging up in their houses, right? Faith, love, and hope. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says, And now abide faith, hope, and charity, which charity is, a, is love. See, the King James Bible says love, but it also says charity because we don't have a different word for different levels of love. See, I, I love to go fishing, and I love my wife. Is that the same kind of love? Uh, I love fishing better is what she said, right? I love fishing better. No, no, I have a very different kind of love for my wife than I do for anything else, right? And I have a love for God that's even different. So I have brotherly love to those who are my friends. 
but I have a different kind of love for my wife, different kind of love for my kids. And we don't have that in the English language. You just know what kind of love I'm talking about by how the context is, how I used it. But in the King James Bible, the King James Bible translators were so conflicted on that special kind of love that we're supposed to give to people. It's a godly love that we normally wouldn't have for people who don't deserve love. And they called it charity. So in 1 Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter. And any other versions will say love, 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 love. But the King James says charity, 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 charity. But uh, same, same point. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8... And if you're writing this stuff down, write down 1 Thessalonians. Just read the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Read it all. And we may, we may do it next week. I don't know. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day. Now, he's talking about people of the night, people of the day, and how bad things happen in the dark. That makes sense. Bad things happen under cover of darkness, and good things happen in not and, and in the in, in the, the light. So he says, and now, uh, no, but let us who are of the day, Christians are supposed to be people of the day, people of light, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation, faith. Love, hope. Now, Lightfoot, from way back, he said, famous, famous uh, theologian, Lightfoot says, he said, faith rests on the past. We have faith in what Jesus did for us in the past. Love works in the present. That's what we do, that we have the faith that we got from God through what Jesus Christ did for us, that was past. Now we're living our Christian life, love toward our, our, all of our brothers and sisters. And then he says, hope looks to the future. And that's just what I read out of uh, Colossians. It says it in that order, and it says it the same way in verses 4 and 5. So I got a lot more good stuff in my notebook right here, but we can't do it today. So, we're going to be done. So let's pray and get ready to sing our final hymn. And you can be turning to uh, 129, and I'm going to close with prayer, and then we'll sing that song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that people who hear this message will honestly look for themselves and to to see that I'm not trying to cause division, but I'm trying to show why there is division. And Father, you are not the author of confusion and division. You want unity, but true unity. Not getting along just to get along, no matter what we believe, but that we believe the truth of the gospel and Father, we will be unified in that. And Father, that we will believe that you have preserved your word and what people were doing 
400 years ago carrying around a brand new English version, the King James Bible, that they were able to do the great things they did. Father, we see the missionaries that carried it all over the world. Father, we see the great awakenings that have happened and they were all carrying the King James Bible. And Father, it worked so well then. And Father, it's working well now. And Father, I just pray that you would protect and to clear the minds of people who just need to know the truth. Father, help us. Help us in everything we do. Father, I pray that we will have faith through what Christ has done for us. Father, that we will live in love to those who are in our daily life. And Father, that with hope, we look to the future, not wondering if we're getting it, but Father, a good, true, godly meaning of the word hope that we know it's going to happen, but we're just waiting for it. Father, you said that you would go. Your son would go and make a mansion for us, that you will go and prepare a place for us so that we can always be with Jesus for eternity. And Father, we know that has happened, and we're, we're, we're not uh, wondering if it's going to happen one day, but we have a true godly hope that it is going to happen, and we thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.